the surface of the things that we should be praying for. So let me just encourage you to do that. Meanwhile, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And uh, we're going to see just the, I, I always hesitate to say this, but a shorter message. Right. Um, Peter, by faith, uh, performs miracles for the Lord in Acts chapter 9. So let me encourage you to turn there. We're going to be looking at verses 32 through the end of the chapter. So I'm going to go ahead and read that first section. I'm sorry, verse 30. Yeah, verse 32 through 35, and then I'll read the next section as we get there. Verse 32 says, Now it happened that as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down to, all, to the saints who lived in Lydda, and there he found a man named Annas who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Annas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise up and make your bed. Immediately he rose up, and all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Father, Lord, as we come before you this morning, I ask God once again that you just speak to our hearts. And uh, Lord, we'll praise you for doing that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here it is, just two short stories that are back to back. And I have to be honest with you, I read this several weeks ago and I thought, what in the world am I going to say about this thing that's just not plain black and white right there that every person can read and, say, and, and, and gather from the Word of God? And then you begin to pray and God shows you a few things, right? And so we're going to look and see what God has for us to learn from it. But let me just recap the story. So Peter happened to find a paralyzed man named Anus. You say, well, did he just happen to find it? Well, if you look at the Word of God, yeah. So it says, now it happened, right? It wasn't like he was planning on it. It wasn't like he was out looking for it. He happened upon it, right? So as it happened that Peter was traveling through all those regions... He came down also to the saints who had led a, in verse 33, and there he found a man. So it wasn't necessarily that he was out looking for the man. He was just out and about, and he finds this man named Anus who is paralyzed. So he's been bedridden for eight years. And uh, I don't know exactly. Sometimes I wish this Word of God would just give us the fine print just a little bit because there's a few questions I have that are not, like, given out right. And sometimes we just have to trust that God gave us what he wanted us to have and he didn't give us the fine print on this one. But can you imagine, he's out and about, he's going to these towns and villages. I mean, he's been used so much of God. And this is Peter, right? I mean, of all people, Peter. And uh, so Peter is used mightily, and we're going to come back and see a couple things about his humility towards the end. But he's out and about, he's just going through the towns, Lydda and Sharon, and uh, he happens upon this man named Annas who's been bedridden for eight years. And Peter simply tells him, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise up, and immediately he gets up. I mean, how simple of a story is that? Okay, let's go home and hear the story. No, there's so much more to it there. And can you imagine just for a minute that he's there and he just says, Jesus Christ heals you. And there's a point of maybe reflection here for Enos. And I, once again, the fine print that's not here in the story that I wish Jesus would have included. But he didn't. Did he like... Okay, who are you? I mean, you can imagine Anus right here for a minute. Who, who are you again? Um, do you know my story? Um, I've been here for eight years, had a walk, and you're telling me to get up? You see, in every circumstance of every story that we read in God's Word, there's more to it, and if you just think for a moment that there's a, obviously something that God is doing, right? Because we know that Peter could not what? Do it by himself. He could not do it. In fact, he didn't say, in the name of Peter, get up. You know, that wasn't in the script. He said, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise up. 
And the bottom line is, at that moment, Anus, you can think just for a moment, or Anius, however it's pronounced, the idea is that he's there, he's been bitten, don't you think just for a moment that he's looking for any opportunity to see if he could walk again? I would think so. I would really think so. But immediately he gets up and uh, stands up. And it says here, all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him. Now think about this. This man had to have been known in the community of some sort. Was, with at least some bit of notoriety, they had to know who he was. Because how would all these other people know him and see him had they not known of him, right? So you kind of read into it a little bit here that there's something obvious taking place that we may not know the full wording about. But he gets up, people see him, and what happens? The people, after seeing him, do one thing. They said it knew it was God, and it says many of them turned to the Lord. Now just think for a minute. Does God waste any opportunities in our lives? Never. God does not waste any opportunities, and especially when He wants to do something in and through us. What if Peter said, I ain't got time to go to Lydda. I've been out and about. I've been traveling these roads. I mean, think about it. I mean, Peter did follow Simon and, or I mean, uh, Philip and so many, of what, you know, so many of the things that Philip was doing, he's just come behind him. I, I have to admit, just for a moment, if I was Peter, I'm ready to go home. He's been on the road. He's been going from town to town. He's like, no, nah, Lord, I'm just tired. I mean, I, I, I don't feel like going to Lydda. I don't feel like going to Sharon. I don't feel like doing this. But it wasn't his attitude. His attitude was that I'll go wherever the Lord sends me and I'll be led by the Spirit and then whatever He tells me to do, I'll do. And because of it, God does something in and through Peter that changes many people's lives. It says that when the people of Sharon and Lydda saw him, they turned to the Lord. Because remember, it wasn't Peter saying, hey, in the name of Peter, rise up. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. He was giving glory to where the glory was due to Jesus Christ. And he says, Jesus Christ heals you and he immediately stands up. So let me ask this question. Just I'm trying to think of areas that we can relate stories like this to our lives. Are we willing to go where God tells us to go? It might be something simple. I want you to go to Walmart today. Oh, Lord, please, not Walmart. No. But think about it. Where is it that God wants to go? And where is it that God wants to use you to impact others for Himself? So Peter's going. He allows God to use him. He goes to these little village towns. He takes care of business there. And people turn to the Lord because he was obedient. I wonder, just a simple thought. I prayed about this last night. How many lives would be touched? How many lives would be changed if we would let God use us wherever we're at? You say, that's no small thing. That is seriously no small thing to let God use you no matter where you're at. I'm certain Peter was probably tired. I'm certain he probably wanted to go home to his own cot. He wanted to go home and get his feet washed up from the dirty roads. Sandals are getting a little crusty. But he let God use him. Turn your Bibles, keep your fingers there in Acts 9, but look at just a couple of verses I want to draw your attention to. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 11, it says, Whoever speaks... As one speaking the oracles of God, whoever serves as one serving the strength which God supplies 
so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and might forever and ever. Amen. So Peter was basically doing what? He's saying, God, speak through me. It's all about what you want to do. And in the end, you're going to be the one who gets the glory for it. Peter didn't say, whoo, got another one, Lord. Chalk that one up, put that one to my account. I rose another one. He wasn't like that, was it? He was in humility saying, Jesus Christ did this, and he was allowing God to use him. And in the end, according to 1 Peter 4.11, it's because God gets the glory in the end of it. And when we allow God to use us, it's not for our own benefit, although we get to see the hand of God at work. It's really to bring glory to God. Isn't that why he does all miracles? To bring glory to himself through the miracle itself? That's what God does. Uh, turn back to Ephesians chapter 3 just for a moment. So he points the glory and, the, and, the, and everything right back to Jesus where it belongs. So Galatians, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, it says this. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, abund all that we ask or understand, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let me ask this question. Do you believe that God has power, yes or no? Great, we're on the same page. God has power, but look what he says. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or understand, according to the power that what? Works in us. Do you believe that God could use you to do something to bring glory to himself? Absolutely. But in order for God to do that, we have to make ourselves available. We have to go out of our way sometimes. Sometimes we have to say, hey, it's not convenient. I don't know about you, but every time that God has prompted me to do something for somebody, it's, it comes at an inconvenient time. It comes when I'm busy, when I'm tired, when i got other things to do. It seems like inevitably, if i got my own agenda, God's like, uh, uh, wait a minute, I want you to go over here. Really? <coughs> That's just the way it is sometimes. But I have to believe that God wants to use us. And it's His power at, in and at work through us, not ourselves. Once again, Peter didn't say, ha, did another one. It was God. And he pointed the credit back to Jesus. Let me show you one more passage in Romans chapter 15. Uh, Romans chapter 15. And I know the guys are going to get up on the board before I do. <laughs> Romans 15, verses 17 and 18. He says, Therefore, in Christ Jesus... I have reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not be bold to speak of anything except what Christ has brought about through me, leading to the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. What's he saying? All the glory goes to him. I've got nothing in and of myself to boast in. Because there's really nothing for me to boast in. I'm nobody. Jesus Christ is everybody. He's everything. Peter was used of God to see people come to faith, and he was willing to go out of his way. I wonder, if we believe that God is powerful, and that his power works in and through us, are we willing to let God do his work in and through us, as Peter was? And then he doesn't stop there. Look, there's one more story here that he gives us in our text for the day, beginning in verse 36. He says, now in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated or which translated is called Dorcas. And this woman was full of good works and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at the time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body and laid it in the upper room, 
Now since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, pleading with him, Do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. And when he arrived, they brought him into the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, crying and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was yet with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. (laughs) No more funeral service. Uh, And when he gave her his hand and raised her up, and calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it happened that he stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. So let me recap the story. Bullet point. First of all, Tabitha, also called Dorcas, fell sick and died. Not uncommon. But wait a minute. Uh, Her body is washed, laid in the upper room. I mean, they... For all practical intense purposes, she's dead. She's gone. They washed her up, put her on her grave clothes, laid her in the upper room, called Peter in. they got to have a funeral service. The disciples, knowing that Peter was nearby, begged him to come to Joppa. But Peter arrives and all the widow ladies were showing off all the nice things that Dorcas had made for them. I mean, this Dorcas must have been a really wonderful lady. And be it like... All the other widow ladies, they gather around and they're showing off all the things that she had made. You know, here's tunics and garments and robes. And, you know, what a wonderful lady she was in her lifetime. She just gave to others. She was a wonderful person. They're, you know, singing her praises. And she is, but now she's gone. And Peter sends them all away. Can you imagine just for a moment? Well, wait, wait. I mean, we're mourning the loss of our friend here and you're telling us to leave? Yep, leave. I don't know what Peter was thinking, but he had something in mind at this point. (laughs) Think about it. So, Peter sends them all away, and he does what he, the only thing he can do. I mean, what did they expect? I mean, save her life? No, she's already gone. Bring her back to life? Well, that's not normal. But Peter can do something. So let's get Peter. And so they... Call and get him. He goes to the upper room. He sends all the widow ladies away. And Peter does the one thing that he knows to do. He gets on his knees and he prays. Which, by the way, is probably the first thing that every one of us should do in times of crisis, right? Is to get on our knees and pray. Not go onto Facebook. Can you believe what so-and-so did to me and tell the whole world it's through your dirty laundry on Facebook? Oh, yeah, yeah. The first thing we ought to do is get on our face before God. What an example to follow if we learn nothing else from the story. But Peter then turns towards her body and tells Dorcas to arise. Question, how many of you would have done that? That's exactly what I thought. My hand is not up, no two hands and a foot. I don't know that I have any type of faith that says, hey, yo, get up. Wait a minute, she's gone. Yeah, I know, but get up. No, she's dead. I, I know, but get up. Not a one of us in this room has that kind of faith, I don't think. I don't. I wish I did. But if I even start praying that you'd think I was a whack job, right? Let's be honest. How many would think that? Didn't that just happen recently, like a year ago, at one of the other uh, churches? Youth pastor's daughter died, and they prayed for three days that she'd raise. wasn't within God's plan. And I don't know of anywhere that that's happened of late, where someone was physically, literally dead, and someone prayed him back to life. Peter did. I think he knew where the power was. Remember from the first miracle? 
He says, Lord, you've you got to do this. I can't. So he turns towards the body and says, Arise. And Dorcas opens her eyes and sat up seeing Peter. And Peter helps her up and calls for the other women to see that Dorcas is alive. Yo, all you guys, come back up here. She's alive. Can you imagine the, the, what's going on in this circumstance? It's hard to fathom. And all the folks, once again, just, what, just like what happened in uh, verse 35, happens again now in the end of this story. All the folks at Joppa heard of the news and many believed in the Lord. Why does God do what He does? To bring glory to Himself and to show an unbelieving world who He is. That's why He does it. There are no wasted moments with God. He can take every experience that He gives us to turn it into a situation to bring glory back to Himself. That's why He does it. It's not so that everyone can say, Wow, you should have been there. I was actually there. I was able to see Peter when he raised her up, I was there. That has nothing to do with it. That, that's not even written in the story. It wasn't about Peter in any way, shape, or form. It was all about God and what God had done. So when Peter tells Aeneas to rise, and many people knew it was the Lord that did it. And now as he tells Dorcas to get up, many people in Joppa believed it was the Lord that did it. They turn around and put their faith in the Lord. And then Peter doesn't just immediately leave. He stays many days in the house of Simon the Tanner. I don't know about you, but does anybody know anything about tanners in that day on the Sea of Galilee? I've been to Joppa in Israel. I've been there. And I've actually been to where Simon the Tanner's house is. It's still standing today. It's hundreds of years old. You can go, still go see it. And there's a, a memorial, or not a memorial, some type of plaque or something that says that this is the house of Simon the Tanner. But if you know anything about tanners in that day and what they used, they used urine to do their job. Mind's eye. You're on a hot body of water with flies and urine. Smells like roses, right? Nasty. But Peter in his humility, he goes to the house of Simon the Tanner and this is where he hangs out and stays while he's ministering in Joppa. He didn't say, give me a nice hotel. He didn't say, get me off the beach where the, where the buckets of urine are at Simon the Tanner's house. He just simply went there and served and stayed there while he served in Joppa. What a picture of humility. And he stays there for several days to continue his ministry. A couple things come to my mind as I think about Dorcas, Tabitha, however you want to say it. How will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? Because remember, God's word tells us it is appointed unto man who wants to die, and after this, the judgment. All of us are going to die unless the Lord tarries and we hear the trumpets out and we're called home, which I wonderful, I hope that happens. But if it doesn't, and you die, and you will, how will you be remembered? 
guy's a jerk. That woman, all she did was gossip. Man, that, that person, all they did is they lied every time they opened their mouth. That person was such a crooked person. Oh, that person was kind. They showed love to everyone. How will you be remembered? I remember seeing a bumper sticker years ago when I first started ministry. It says, so live your life so the preacher doesn't have to lie about you at your funeral. <laughs> I remember thinking, i got to get that bumper sticker. Because, you know, I, I mean, I've ministering in a small town in Indiana, a little farming community, there was inevitably people who would come to the preacher and say, hey, my, my uncle didn't go to church anywhere, but you knew him. Would you do the service? And I would look at them, and I'm thinking, this guy was the biggest jerk. He was the biggest liar. He had the most foul mouth I've ever heard in my life. But he was such a nice guy. I'll do the service, but I'm not preaching him into heaven. But you know, the bottom line is, live your life so that the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. Live your life for God. If you know him, what will you be remembered for? Were you an obedient Christian? Were you a kind Christian? Did you show love to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Did you help out in times of need? Were you a giving person? Or were you selfish? How will you be remembered? I think that's a valid question for us to ask from this. Here's Dorcas. She's died. And, I mean, she's barely, her body hasn't even cooled off yet, and they're showing off all the things that she had done for every, everyone else. That's pretty cool. How will you be remembered? There's a couple of verses I want to highlight here. first one is in Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 10 it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He wants us to be people who are involved with good works. Will you be remembered for that? Or will you be remembered as someone says, ah, I didn't have time for that. I was busy. I mean, God knows my heart. I would have liked to. I was sincere that I wanted to, but I just didn't get time for that. We all make time for what we want to make time for. Every one of us does. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and multiplying in the full knowledge of God. Are you walking in good works? Are you walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? Will that be how you not only are going to be remembered, but how you are, how you are currently walking? And of course, I won't take the time to go there, but Proverbs 31.20 talks about using your hands and being a godly woman. Obviously, Dorcas was. She's remembered by the fact that she helped others. She didn't live a selfish life, obviously. But God chose to spare her life and to raise her back up using Peter. Because Peter was willing to go and stay in a little town, a little village, and be used of God to perform a miracle that would bring others to Christ. I like, in closing, what Peter's heart was in all of this. And I kind of stole this little point from Johnny Hunt in one of the commentaries I was reading. In verses 38 and 39, I'll just read it again. It says, Now since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, pleading with him, Do not delay in coming to us. In verse 39, So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, 
crying and show, showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make all, while she was yet with them. The first thing I see about Peter is that he modeled ministry. That's something every one of us can learn. If you're a child of God, you're a servant of Christ. You are. You don't have to wait for some mysterious calling. Your vocational calling may not be as mine as I'm a pastor up in front of people. But if you're a child of God, you're a servant of Christ. How will you model ministry to those that need to see Jesus? Will you get involved? Or you say, oh, it's someone else's job. I think the first thing that we learn from Peter is that he models ministry. Secondly, in verse 40 and 41, it says, But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. The second thing we see about Peter's heart is that he modeled looking to the Master. Peter knew that he couldn't raise her up. Peter had nothing in and of himself that could do that. And there's not anything in and of yourself that you can do to do anything that is good. In fact, God's Word says all of our righteousnesses are as what? Filthy rags. He says your heart is deceitfully wicked and uh, desperately wicked. Who can know it? There's nothing good enough in and of ourselves as, as people. But we do have the power of God in us, right? To be used of God. And Peter here modeled looking to the Master to do what he could not do himself. He turned to the body and prayed to Jesus. The bottom line is, he couldn't do it in and of himself, and neither can you. And number three, I think he modeled making Christ known. We see that in verse 42 and 43. It says, And it became known to all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. He modeled making Christ known. I think there are so many things about Peter's life that we can model. We can model ministry by making ourselves available. We can model making the Master known by praying to Him in front of others and pointing others to Him. We can model making Christ known by being faithful and obedient and letting God use us. In that way, we can all be like Peter. And in many ways, while we're still here, What's going to become our reputation? We know what Dorcas's reputation was. She was a good person. Now, her good goodness didn't save her by any stretch. Right? Ephesians 2.8.9, you're saved by grace through faith, not, not of yourselves. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness. It's not her good works. But how will we be remembered? Will we be remembered as people who are generally trying to do what's right or selfish? And we can all be like Peter, letting God use us to do what only he wants to do in and through us. We have a choice to make every day. You can say, well, that's a neat little story, kind of short. Or we can say the story applies to my life where I live every day. And it does. Are you willing to go out of your way? Peter did. Are you willing to let God use you? Peter did. Are you willing to point others to Christ? Peter did. And through all that, God was glorified. God can be glorified in your life and in mine if we'll let him do what he wants to do in and through us. It's really that simple. It's either, someone said it a long time ago, only two choices on the shelf, living for God or pleasing self. I don't know who coined the term, but it's true. Living for God or pleasing self. That's the choices. And living for self, 
yeah, we can point others to ourselves and our own reputation, our own pride and selfishness and arrogance, or we can point them to others where he'll be glorified. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning through these simple little miracles that you did in and through Peter. I ask, dear Father, Lord, that you would use us in the same way. Lord God, we may <laughs> never in this lifetime be used to raise someone from the dead. But spiritually speaking, we can. If we'll go where you want us to go, do what you want us to do, say what you want us to say, Lord God, we know that your power working in and through us may point somebody who may be dead in trespasses and sin and on their way to hell, or we might be able to redirect them towards heaven. And I pray, God, that you would use us for that. And that, Lord, long after we're long and gone, I pray, Lord, that our reputation might be that we were people who were used of you to point others to you, Lord, that you were glorified through. And I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, through these simple messages, Lord. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and just a simple message this morning, really, just two short miracle accounts. You say, Pastor, God's challenged me. I, I'm thinking about how I will be remembered. I'm thinking about whether or not I'll be like a Peter. Maybe God's convicted you this morning. Maybe he's challenged your heart. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Anyone like that? Yes, 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 in the back. Anyone else say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm challenged this morning. Some things need to change. To have impact, to bring glory to God, some things need to change. Would you pray for me? Yes, yes. Can I just challenge you right there where you're at? Right there where you're sitting. Just take a moment and pray. James tells us that him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. Some things that God wants you to do, some things that he wants you to be remembered for, some areas that he wants to work in and through you to accomplish his own will, and you're refusing, you're saying no, that's sin. Just ask God to forgive. Say, God, use me, despite me maybe even. God, let your power work through me to point others to you. Just take a moment and pray. Ask him for his help because none of us, none of us can do this on our own will, in our own strength. You have to let the power of God work through you to do these things. Let's all stand to our feet. Lord, I pray that you be with each one who raised their hand their heart towards you this morning. Lord, many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, Lord, could do a better job of guarding our testimony, our reputation, that it might be one that is fully given to you and for you. I pray, Lord, that all of us, Lord, that may have been convicted in that area, Lord, would surrender and commit our lives to you afresh and anew, Lord, to be available for your service. I pray, Lord, that we might be like Peter, where we'll model ministry, where we'll model going to our Maker, where we'll model pointing others to you, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to be a little more like Peter in our everyday living. God, help us to do, Lord, what we cannot do in and of ourselves, Lord. We are weak, we are frail, we are selfish. So, Lord, I pray that your spirit would work in and through us to do what we can't. But, Lord, give us the desire. Make us willing, Lord. So, Lord, be with each one that's here this morning, Lord, that we might live this out this week. And we'll praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.